Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome to The Conversation. You know, I don't, if you've tuned in before, I don't know if you can hear it, but uh, my voice doesn't quite seem like uh, my normal voice, whatever that means. I still have the lingering effects of COVID or Omicron or whatever was going around. And for the most part, it has dissipated. It has gone its way. But I do still have some sinus congestion. And it sounds to me as if it affects my, my voice. Maybe it's affecting my hearing, (laughs) but who knows for sure. But uh, for those of you that have inquired, I am on the mend. I am doing a lot better than I was. And truth be told, it wasn't really that bad to begin with. I mean, over the years, and I I haven't been sick that often in the last uh, 20 years, 25 years, maybe three or four times. Uh, But before that, I would get the flu on occasion, and I've had worse bouts of the flu or the cold at one point or another where I was out for the count. But uh, what I went through recently and what the the family basically went through recently was uh, somewhat mild. But with that stated and put aside, uh, let's get back to the topic at hand. And I want to tell you that or suggest to you that this topic in this particular episode, could be life transformational. It could change everything if you take it on. The question is, are you willing to take it on? At least entertain some new ways of interacting with yourself and and the world. So I want to begin by posing a question that a lot of people entertain. What if everything goes wrong? What if everything goes wrong? That question typically stops you because, frankly, we can't foresee all the potential problems that lie ahead. And but, you know, we're risk avoidant as a a species. Our mind is oriented towards avoiding pain. So the first question that a lot of people ask is, what if everything goes wrong? I want to give you the opposite question. What if everything goes right? What if This is the one thing, the one time where everything falls into place and your life just takes off. What if? You see, both these questions, these quests that we set our mind out on, are almost the same. They're a what-if scenario. But one question positions the mind in a whole new way when we ask, what what happens if everything goes right? What happens if this is the one juncture where our life truly takes off. What then? How wonderful would that be? Well, the main purpose of this episode is not for you to answer those questions. It's about asking questions in general. The value of asking questions, of asking the right questions. And what does that mean for your life? What does it mean for your progress? What does it mean for your spiritual life? You see, many people on the spiritual path will tell you that they are a seeker. They're seeking answers. They're seeking knowledge. And, you know, in seeking the knowledge, there's a presupposition. There's something that is presupposed there. 
is that you don't already have the answers. Well, that's a different episode, but I'm suggesting you already have the answers. It's not whether or not you have the appropriate answers, but are you asking the appropriate questions? You see, our spiritual lives don't really take off until we're ready to face the questions. And sometimes they're the unanswerable questions. To be in the inquiry, and to be in an inquiry basically means to sit with a question and not seek an answer right away. To just be in the inquiry, entertain the idea. What about this? What if that? What, how would that be? And not seek an immediate answer, but be in a query, be in a quest. But in working with people, this is so hard for people to sit with, to be in the inquiry, to not know. Why is that? You have to understand that culturally, you've been trained to seek answers, to provide the answer. That's why you go to school, to get the right answer, to be able to answer the question on the test. And in fact, you're rewarded when you can arrive at an answer. You know, given a question, can you arrive at an answer? Yet all knowledge, if you really look at it, all knowledge does not come from the answers. It comes from asking intelligent questions. But in this cultural conditioning with the orientation to arriving at an answer, most of us are embarrassed to display any amount of ignorance in the not knowing. And now ignorance is not stupidity. Stupidity is just like there's a limitation on your ability to process a thought. But ignorance is just simply not knowing, not being in the know or not being aware. But I'm suggesting that if you encounter ignorance along your path, I mean, your ignorance, don't be embarrassed. Actually, get curious. How can you satisfy this ignorance? How can you seek an answer? Because this ignorance is an opening. It's an opening to becoming more. It's an opening to a greater vista on your life. I guess a greater perspective on reality. So ignorance is a good thing. Uncovering ignorance is a good thing. I'm saying there's a certain virtue in not having the answer. Now, if you look at it this way, if a person is quick to answer, they basically have an answer for everything. It's not long before you avoid them because they just come across as a know-it-all all too quick to provide you with an answer, to display their knowledge, to parade their intelligence. Yet we really appreciate the people in our life that ask powerful questions, good questions, questions that are open and open-ended. Because someone that is in the quest or in the questioning, they're exciting to be around because there's this curiosity there's this pull to expand possibility. You see, statements close the mind. They shut it down. They limit possibility. You have, an, you have a question, someone gives an answer, that's, that's it, finito, period. Contrastly, a question opens the mind. It opens possibility. It expands possibility. It sends your mind on a quest. For instance... Someone that is in poverty consciousness will almost immediately say, I can't afford it. 
or I don't have time, or I don't know how. Now, someone that is in the abundant mindset or a questioning mind, they will ask, how can I afford it? How can I find time? How can I find out? You see, in linguistics or language, there's essentially two ways to utilize language. One is declarative. It's reporting. Like, these are the facts. This is how things are. It, it's, it's just kind of a statement of the weather, the statement of conditions. The other is generative. And typically, we use questions to generate new possibilities, to generate a new reality. You see, everything in your environment, everything that's been created was created out of a question. Like, what if? What if we had this? I I don't like handling this or I don't like dealing with this. I wonder what needs to happen in order for this to be solved. If we're pushing the boundaries of architecture and you want to build the tallest, well, let's say, instead of you want to, what if I were to build the tallest building in the world? What it would it look like? How tall would it be? Would it be the Empire State Building? No one's ever built anything that tall before. How might I go about it? What would have to happen? If you need money and you might ask, how many different ways can I attract money? Instead of being like, I just can't afford it or I don't have access to money. How might I attract it? How many different ways can I attract it? Somebody might be in the poverty consciousness is all I know is all I know. I only get paid X number of dollars, you know, an hour or a week. You know, that's kind of all I have. Instead of asking the question, how many different ways can I attract money? Could I start a business? How many different, you know, side hustles are available to me? Could I create passive streams of income? Those answers are a multitude. There's at least a hundred different ways to, you know, create a side hustle or to bring in extra money. And not all of them involve like getting a second job. So you can see in asking these questions that by making a statement, we limit possibility. But by asking a question, we open up the mind. We open up the possible. Now, asking the appropriate question is as important as asking a question to begin with. Albert Einstein said that given a problem and told that my life depended on it, but I only had one hour to arrive at an answer. He said I would spend the first 59 minutes arriving at the most appropriate question. And then once he had the most appropriate question, the answer would be self-evident. So the real thrust of the answer came from the question. He also said that a solution cannot be arrived at with the same level of consciousness at which you discovered a problem. So put another way, in order to arrive at the appropriate answer and seeking their appropriate question is a quest. It's a journey of discovery. And it doesn't, you can't just sit where you encountered your problem. You have to be in an inquiry. You have to be in the questioning mode. You have to be in the journeying mode. And it's the process in the, of questioning that is the true journey. And like I said before, your spiritual evolution does not begin until you're ready to take a look at the questions that may not have an answer. 
It's being in the idea that you do not know. You do not know the nature of God. You do not know the nature of the universe. And you wonder what that might be like. What is my spiritual journey? What is possible for my life? What's possible for my consciousness? Now, I don't know if you've been listening as I've been throwing some of these questions out there, but I very seldom use the question why. When you look at the question why, the only answer that's available is basically because. In order to answer why, it's a rationale, it's a story, it's reasons, it's kind of why did that happen? And, you know, you've been conditioned too to come up with an answer, to ask the question why. For instance, let's say as a kid, you wrote on the wall, you drew this magnificent piece of work, or this magnificent work of art on the wall because, and you didn't even really have a, a, a motivation. It's just like you wanted to draw. But lo and behold, your parents see it and they ask, why did you do this? Um, 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 because, be, because, um, I, I don't know. You don't know. Why don't you know? Why did you write on the wall? Um, um, because I wanted to draw and there was nothing there. See, we are conditioned to answer the question why. Everyone wants to know why you're behaving the way you're behaving. Even you want to know why you're behaving the way you're behaving. And in the end, it doesn't even really matter why. Now, as a coach, why is one of the questions I ask last. And I don't know if you've heard me throwing these different questions out, but uh, if you were to re-listen, you would not hear the question why very often. It's been more like, how do you know? What do you need to know? What needs to happen? How and what are superior questions to why? You see, in the context of coaching and gathering information, why is the least productive question you can ask? Because when you ask the question why, all you'll get is a rationale, a rationalization, um, a reason, an excuse, a story. You don't really get any information that will take you anywhere. It's just kind of a justification. For instance, why are you fat? Well, I eat too much. I drink too much. I lay around too much. You know, what can I do with that? I have the answer, quote unquote, but doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't give me anything. Because frankly, it's just some story that's created in order to explain why things are the way they are, why you're justified in being fat. Now, if you're presenting me with a, a, weight, a weight issue and you want to solve it, and you might say something like, I cannot lose weight. If I ask why, all I'm, gonna, all I'm going to get is a bunch of reasons why you can't lose weight. And so occasionally I'll play the reverse and I'll ask, let's suppose that you can't lose weight. If you were to gain weight, how might you do it? What would you have to do to put on an additional 15 pounds, 10 pounds? 
And frankly, their knee-jerk reaction is like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I said, well, let's just play a game. And if you were to put on an additional 15 to 20 pounds, would you know how to do it? It's like, well, oh, yeah, (laughs) I would keep eating what I'm eating. I would actually increase the amount that I'm eating and do less. And they would actually reveal a strategy for gaining weight. And then I would say, well, since you know how to gain weight, what would you have to do in order to lose weight or to reduce, you know, the size of your body? And immediately they have a whole strategy that they know what to do which that strategy was inside them the whole time. But they were in the thinking that they didn't know how to lose weight. They didn't know how to go about it. So what I did is I would would pace them, pace their current belief. I'd, you know, agree with their current belief that they don't know how to lose weight. But so given that, how would you gain weight? And they know how to do that. And then we just do the opposite. But you notice that I didn't ask, why would you want to lose weight? Because that's irrelevant. Because obviously, whatever their why is, it's not strong enough. What they're looking for is a strategy. So I ask a how or what? What would you have to do differently? How would you go about it? Now, if asking why provides you with a rationale, a story, how creates a process. It's a system. It's a series of steps. That's what you can reveal with a how. And frankly, a lot of people present to me this whole idea that they don't know how to do something. Well, figure it out. Like, look it up. Somebody's done it somewhere. If you did know how to do it, how might you go about it? How might you go about it? You see, I don't know if you noticed, but that little thing that I I interjected there, if you did know, how would you do it? Now, understand that If you have a block, if you have a limitation, if you have a belief that you don't have access to something, you play this little game with your imagination and you ask the question, if I did know, if I were to do this, how might I go about it? See, you're not really doing it. You're just kind of conjecturing how you might go about it if you did know. And so that's one way of sidestepping or stepping around or peeking around this whole block, this mental block that you have that you don't know or you don't have access. Well, if you did, how might you go about it? So that's one little technique that we use as coaching and NLP in order to get around a limiting belief, something that's stopping you. In addition to the how question, a powerful question is what? What do you need to know? What would it look like once you achieve your result? What distinguishes criteria or the parameters of what you're trying to achieve? For instance, if someone was to tell me, I need more money, I would ask, how much more money than you're currently making would you have to bring in to be satisfied? What level of income would satisfy your needs? Then, how many different ways can we bring in that extra amount on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis. What would have to happen in order for that to occur? And then the next question I might ask is something around time. When would this have to occur? How fast does it have to happen? So when distinguishes timing or time frame or limitation. 
And then another question to round out the information gathering is where? Where would this have to occur? In which context? You see, questions provide us with thinking. It helps guide the mind. It sets the mind on a quest. The true scientist does not have a plethora of answers. The true scientist has more questions than answers. Yet, even in science, you can find this predominance to not appear ignorant, to come up with the answer, even if it's not the right answer, just to have an answer. And frankly, because the mind is so oriented towards answering a question, if I wanted to control somebody, I would control the questions that they're asking. Because if they're asking the wrong questions, then their mind is going to end up towards the wrong answers, or at least the answers that I want them to arrive at. For example, in hypnosis, there is a process called a double bind. Now, if I was working with a client, I would ask, would you like to transform quickly or do it slowly? How fast would you like to change? And it presupposes that change is going to occur. It's just a matter of when. Another question I might ask is, would you like to sit in this trance chair or this chair over here to go into trance? It presupposes that no matter where they sit, they're going to go into trance. I might ask my child, would you like to take a shower before or after you watch your movie? You see, the, it presupposes that they're, they're going to take their shower. It's just a matter of when. Would you like to go to bed in 15 minutes, or would you like to have a snack first and then go to bed? Which usually ends up to be in about 15 minutes. Or I might ask, do you want to go to bed now or in 20 minutes? And 20 minutes seems much more preferable. They're still going to bed. And when it occurs... It usually goes without incidents, without resistance, because they've already decided that it was the better choice. And those were just demonstrations of one way to control the questions, or at least the questions that a person is entertaining. The other way to do it is to control the context, control the frame in which the questions occur. And there we can go back to the original question I threw out there, what if everything goes wrong? What's the risk involved? How much can you lose? See, when I start orienting the context around loss and risk and uh, risk aversion and the potential pain is there, I'm going to have you focusing on everything that is not solution-oriented. It's going to be oriented around the problem, the potential problem. And from that context, from that frame of reference, you will never arrive at a solution because your mind just isn't seeking those answers because I set the context, I set the frame of questioning. And frankly, this is how a few in government and positions of authority have shut down an economy, have shut down society, because they have set the context and they have limited the questions that you're asking. And which questions those are or how did they frame it, I'll, I'll leave up to you to figure out. Just ask the right questions and you'll arrive at an appropriate answer. Okay, before I end this conversation, I want to talk about using questions to engage your intuition. 
because your intuition is always in the process of answering your current question. Just waiting for your intuition to provide you with information is like walking into the National Archives or the the mega library and asking, deliver me some information. Point me to some information that would be relevant to my life. And the reference librarian would look around at all the books, all the stacks, and says, what specifically would you like to know? Because we have information on everything. So to really engage your intuition is to ask specific questions, to ask the appropriate questions, given what your outcome or what you want to know. Now, I kicked off this podcast way back last April. The first you know, dozen episodes were all about intuition. But I, looking back on it, I don't think I really addressed the question side of it in those first few episodes. So how do you ask a question to really engage your intuition? Well, I already alluded to part of that. Don't ask the question why. Now, if you want to gain insight on someone's behavior or why certain, you know, certain things occurred, you can ask, what was the motivation behind this? What is the lesson that's in there? Because frankly, if you ask the question why, you're going to get a multitude of stories because, you know, reality occurs on multiple dimensions. But by asking the question what, what's the motivation, what's the drive, what's the reason, what are they trying to achieve? More often than not, you will get an intuitive hit on what is the driving force. Another question you want to avoid or framing of questions is what is the best approach? What is the best way? What is the, the best decision? Like the best. Because frankly, the universe doesn't operate that way. There is no one way to achieve a result. The universe is not that limited. We are typically limited just from our conscious perspective. And I've seen this time and time again where people get stuck because they want to make the right decision. There is no right answer. There is no one best way. And when they ask that question, it, they don't get a definitive response. It feels iffy because it is iffy. Because from the universe's perspective, all roads lead to Rome. All roads lead home. So definitely some roads are faster than others, some are more scenic, some are slower, have more detours, but you're never not on the path. From the universe's perspective, you can never make a bad decision. You just make a decision and it is what it is. So when you're seeking guidance from your intuition, consider what your desired outcome is. So you might ask something, Is this decision in alignment with my highest good? Is this decision or is this action in alignment with me delivering the highest service to my clients? Is this decision or action in alignment with with love, with me being the most loving expression of myself in the world? Is it aligned with my spiritual evolution, my highest and best expression? If we go back to the dialogue that I had earlier about attracting more income, you don't want to ask, how can I make more money? How much more do you want to make? I I can give you a dollar and say, there, there's more money. But if you get specific 
and say, what is the best approach to bring in an additional $1,000 a month and still maintain my family, still maintain, you know, my sanity and where I'm not overworked, where I have a sense of enjoyment, how can I easily attract an additional $1,000 a month? And then you will almost immediately begin getting answers because frankly, the universe has been waiting for you to be a little more specific in your asking. So it can actually deliver what you really want. When you ask for more, when you ask what is the the best or what is the most appropriate, the answers are too numerous for creative intelligence, universal intelligence, the super consciousness to provide you, what intuition to provide you with an answer, the answer that will make a difference. Another way to pose the question to your infinite intelligence, to the intuition, when you don't necessarily know exactly what the outcome that you want, you can ask it like this. What is the next step that will lead me to the most beneficial outcome, the most benevolent outcome for all concerned? Okay, so this episode gives you the framework for asking intelligent questions, questions that will actually get you answers that you can do something with that further the conversation, expand the conversation. I thought a good follow-up to this episode would be, say, 15 to two dozen questions that you can use or utilize to guide your life by. Sample questions. Like, you don't have to ask these questions, but you can look at the questions in the next episode and uh, frame your own questions or use the questions that I provide. So I guess you could consider this uh, part one in the next episode, part two, to asking questions. Well, this episode's been brought to you by my video, my free training, The Five Mindset Shifts to Upgrade Your Money Game. And the link to that is at yesdaniel.com backslash five, the numero five. And the link will be in the show notes. But you can just go to yesdaniel.com backslash five and watch the video there. It's about 60 minutes long. It's 99.5% pure content. I do mention my coaching program, Upgrading Your Money Game, or the course, Rewriting Your Money Story, which the coaching program is based on. But like all my podcasts and all my trainings, 99% of it is all content because I want you to have something that you can walk away with and put into use in your life. I've had some of you that have contacted me and said, I've watched it three and four times. It was so good. So if you haven't yet done so, go watch the training. Tell me what you think. This is your host, Daniel Danovi, urging you to follow your bliss and live your life from inner signals. And by all means, live the epic adventure. Adventure.